Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along, verse by verse, with Pastor John. We continue in our series of the life of Joseph in Genesis 41, verse 1. Interpret the king of dreams. The king of all dreams has come to Pharaoh. Two dreams that can save Egypt from starvation. But the king of Egypt doesn't know what to do with them. He doesn't know what these dreams mean. He needs an interpreter. These two dreams are going to change everything. Joseph is the king of dreams and interpretations. Only he has the divine gifts which will save Egypt and his own family. His gift of dreams and interpretations go hand in hand like knowledge and wisdom, right? So knowledge, you know the facts, but wisdom is how to use that knowledge. What do you do with it? You got the dream, but what does it mean? How can I use it? What good is it without an interpretation? The dreams must become understood, and they need to know what to do with them. Everything is riding on Joseph's interpretation. Boy, Joseph has been through a lot. I can identify with him. He's been betrayed by his brothers, thrown into the pit, sold as a slave, put into slavery, and then falsely accused of rape and thrown into prison, the dungeon, right? And he's been in the dungeon for years. Have you been in a dungeon? Have you been betrayed? Have you had people sell you out? Have you hit the pit of despair and you're on flat on your back? It's time to look up. It's time to pray. Has God got your attention yet? And it's so easy to give up, and Joseph could give up. But can I tell you, everything is about to change because of these two dreams to Pharaoh. The dreams will come true. God has not forgotten you. He's not forsaken you. Yes, I know you're in the dungeon, the pit, the rats, the spider webs, the darkness, the loneliness. But God is about to change everything. Hear the king's dreams. Genesis 41, verse 1. Now it happened at the end of two full years. Joseph has been sitting in that dungeon. He had hoped that the dreams from the cupbearer and the baker would be his way out, right? Remember me, he said to the cupbearer. You're going back to Pharaoh. You could get me out of here. But you know what he did? He forgot him. 
Joseph has been forgotten, left in prison to rot. Have you been there? Have you ever been locked in a cell? Have you ever been cast out, abandoned, rejected, divorced, thrown out of the family? They slammed the door, don't ever come back. This is Joseph. Two full years. But don't give up. Things are about to change. At the end of two full years, that Pharaoh had a dream. And behold, he was standing by the great Nile River of Egypt in his dream. The important Nile, the Nile that gives life, and they even worship it as a divine entity. The Nile that keeps Egypt from dying as a ghost town. You need water, right? Verse 2. And lo, from the Nile there came up seven cows, sleek, kind of shiny coats, beautiful, healthy, and fat, full, and they grazed in the marsh grass, feeding the swamp area, uh, the grasses of the beautiful banks of the green and fruitful Nile, center of the dream, the life source of Egypt, if you will. Verse 3, then behold, seven other cows came up after them from the Nile, ugly and gaunt, skinny, scrawny, bony, ugly, about to die, these wretched, miserable cows. And they stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. Verse 4, the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven sleek and fat cows. Then Pharaoh awoke. How bizarre. Cows are vegetarian. They eat grasses. They don't eat each other like cannibals. And Pharaoh's like, what, what could this mean? Why would the skinny cows eat up the fat cows? And then he awakes from his dream. Have you ever had a dream and you quickly awoke? Maybe it was scary, terrifying, confusing, and you wake up. And because you wake up, you remember the dream. I've had God give me dreams and wake me up, and he spoke to me, this is what you need to do. God can speak to you and lead you and guide you through dreams, like he's going to do the great king of Egypt, Pharaoh. Verse 5, he fell asleep and dreamed a second time, and behold, seven ears of grain. Uh, I think the King James, some translations would say, ears of corn, uh, grains of wheat, some of the translations say. But some type of grain, I don't think the grain is important, what type of grain it is, but the interpretation is everything. So seven ears of grain came up on a single stalk, plump and good. Now, if it is corn, I have grown corn before. Normally, a corn on the cob, you get one, maybe two on a stalk. To get seven on one stalk is supernatural, incredible. It's just not common, and it is a bumper crop, very symbolic of the harvest has come in at a record 
number. Verse 6, then behold, seven ears, thin and scorched by the east wind, sprouted up after them. The desert winds blowing over Egypt. You know, Egypt is the top of the continent of Africa, close to the deserts. And when those hot winds come, they wither your vegetables. They scorch your produce. They burn up your crops. And without water, your little vegetable garden is doomed. Have you been there? I've gone on vacation and lost the crop. I forgot to water while I was, I couldn't water, it was gone. Verse 7, the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump and full ears. Then Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. A second dream about vegetables. <laughs> a second dream about grains. And how can vegetables attack and eat up vegetables like vegetales or something, you know, bizarre. He wakes up. What does it mean? A second dream of seven devouring seven. What could it mean? What is God saying? And the lives of tens of thousands, the lives of an empire, the lives of nations is dependent upon these dreams being interpreted, understood, and the application being applied. But Pharaoh has no idea. He is lost as a goose. But there is one who can interpret dreams. Joseph is the king of dreams and interpretation. He's had sets of dreams. And it's interesting, as I look at the dreams in Joseph's life, they are dreams of numbers. Have you ever noticed that? Three pairs of prime numbers. I just thought, how bizarre prime numbers, you know. What was the first dream? He dreamed about these sheaves, and there was 11 of them, and they surrounded his sheaf, and they bowed to his sheaf. And remember, he had a second dream in the pair. It was 11 stars bowing to him, and... 11 and 11, a prime number. And then, that was his family dream. Of course, his brothers hated him for that dream. We ain't going to bow to you, you little snot-nosed baby brother. I'll beat you up, right? You're not the boss of me. So then, thrown into prison. And in prison, two more dreams are given to Joseph from the cupbearer and the baker. And in these dreams, there is the number three, another prime number. Because there's the three grapes that are crushed, put into the cup, given to Pharaoh. There's uh, uh, three baskets on top of the head of the baker. And the birds come and eat the bread. Birds are evil. Don't feed the Pharaoh's food to scavengers, you know. It'll cost you your head. And now we have the third pair of dreams, and it is the number seven, number of completion, God's number, seven, and it's a pair again. You see three sets of pairs. There's a pattern here. These dreams are divine. They're not coincidence. It wasn't eating that pizza at night. <laughs> it was a dream from God, and 
two pairs of seven, another prime number. How bizarre. Um, and we call this numerology, where the numbers can sometimes have a spiritual significance. And as you search the scriptures, we have people, theologians, they search for the numbers and the codes and they assign each letter of the Hebrew alphabet a number and they find patterns and codes that are supernatural in scripture. They find them in the names, they find them in the genealogies. It's bizarre numerology, but it's numbers that are beyond coincidence, numbers that have a significance from God himself, divine. And so the number seven, seven cows, seven ears. What could it all mean? We need Joseph. Joseph will figure it out. Verse 8, now in the morning, his spirit was troubled. Pharaoh's like, i got to figure this out. These dreams are so important. They're haunting me like nightmares. So he sent and he called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Go to the people. Go to the smart people. Go to the universities. Go to the scientists. Go to the occult members, the mediums, the witches, the warlocks of Egypt. Go to the religious spiritual leaders. Go to men to find the answers. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Have you had dreams, hopes, wishes, goals? And you ran to men right? And little palm reader said, you will meet a tall, dark, handsome stranger, you know? Uh, you go to the wrong sources, you read the horoscope in the newspaper, you went to the cult members, you went to the educated, you went to the secular counselors, and they don't know, and they don't give you the answers of God, and they're not believers, and they don't know the Holy Scriptures, and men have failed us because they don't have the answer. Can I tell you who the answer is? The answer is still Jesus. The answer is still the word of God. The answer is his body, the church. And we've gone to the wrong places. But praise God, we're in the right place now. And Pharaoh is going to go to a Hebrew Pharaoh is going to go to a humble child of God who will give him the answer. Don't go to men, don't go to demons, don't go to Satan, because they'll give you an incorrect interpretation, a false prophecy, dumb wisdom, knowledge that's incomplete. I was at a big event in a mall, and they brought in these fortune tellers. They brought in a palm reader, and I was sitting on the bench with some friends, and I watched him set up his card table, and he put in the middle of his little card table a pentagram, and he covered it with a tablecloth, and as he read fortunes, and he did his tarot cards and his palm reading, he would have them place their hands on that table with them not knowing that under the tablecloth was a pentagram to Satan. 
Can I tell you that was his source? That was his power. And sometimes we're ignorant. We think, well, what does it matter what men tell us? And sometimes they're instruments of evil and darkness, and we don't even know it. And Pharaoh has gone to the wicked workers of Satan. Find the interpreter. Joseph, a child of God, verse 9. Then the chief cupbearer spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I would make mention today of my own offenses. Pharaoh, please remember my past. I kind of messed up. I got fired. You threw my butt in jail, you know. Can we talk about it? Because something very significant happened. Verse 10, Pharaoh was furious with his servants, and he put me in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard. Do you remember who the captain of the bodyguard is? He's very significant, Potiphar. See, the pieces are coming together. The dots are starting to get connected. And you thought it was by chance or coincidence. You know, I got in this accident. I went through this, de this loss, this breakup, this divorce, losing this job, moving to this God-forsaken place, you know. And then you can look back, and now the people and the places are all connecting. Do you see it? Potiphar. Joseph was bought as a slave by Potiphar, worked his way up in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife said, he tried to rape me, falsely accused, but the pieces are all coming together. The captain of the bodyguard, both me and the chief baker, your officials, cupbearer and baker, right-hand men to the pharaoh in his royal court. Verse 11, we had a dream on the same night, he and I. Was it coincidence or was it divine? The hand of God working among the children of men. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Not just a dream, but a dream that had meaning that had divine interpretation, a dream, a vision that was prophetic, telling our future. I believe in dreams. I believe in visions. I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit that still exist today. I've seen them. I've experienced them. I've had people prophesy over me. And you know what? They came true because they were from God. And the Bible says in the last days, dreams, visions, they will come even more. It's talking to pastors that say, oh, John, all that's gone. You know, that's just back in the Bible. Oh, no, the Bible says in the last days. I see it in the Old Testament. I see it in the New Testament. I've seen it in the church. I've seen it in my own life. Verse 12, now a Hebrew, a Jew, a youth, a teenager, 17, wasn't he? Was with us there, a servant of the captain of the bodyguard, Potiphar. And we related them to him. And he interpreted our dreams for us. To each one he interpreted according to his own dream. 
He told us our dreams, 13. And just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me to my office. I'm here, right? I'm the cupbearer. I'm right here, Pharaoh, at your side, testing from poison and making sure that the process of food and wines are pured and that no one would uh, try to assassinate the great Pharaoh of Egypt, right? But he hanged him. Remember, it was your birthday and for entertainment, you made a human pinata and you hanged the baker who allowed the birds to eat the food and wouldn't protect your food. One dream that was good and one dream that was a nightmare. One head that was lifted up to restoration in his job and his position and one head that was lifted up by a noose hanging from a tree, the gallows. Joseph is batting two for two. Joseph is 100% accurate. The Bible warns us about people that dream dreams and interpret them. And the Bible says if they're false, they're a false prophet, get rid of them. But if they're 100% accurate, then yes, they speak for God. I've had friends prophesy and try to use the gift. Some very accurate, the Holy Spirit, everything. Some that it just wasn't their gift. And I would write them down and I would point out, you know, most of your dreams, interpretations, prophecies are, have been false. Oh, no, Pastor, don't remember that. No, what does the Bible say? <laughs> to keep track of them and see if it's a true prophet, if it's a true dream, if it's a true prophecy, I'm afraid this isn't your gift. Pray to God and ask him to show you your true gift. 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph, our hero. And they hurriedly brought him out of the dungeon. You're in that black, cold cell of despair, of addiction, of rejection, of hopelessness. And finally, your day has come, and the gates are open wide, and the guards are pulling you out of your dungeon cell. Joseph's day has come. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came to Pharaoh. Take off those prison clothes, that orange jumper, those black and white stripes. Take off the chains. Cut his hair. Shave him clean. Because the Egyptians are high class. They're elegant. They're beautiful. They're clean shaved. They have beautiful clean clothes and it's a very advanced, educated civilization. They take baths and the perfumes and they're very upper class. Kind of reminds me of Europeans when I was in Europe and I'd kind of feel like I'm like this ugly American and these Europeans so elegant and they would dress to kill and with their uh, languages and their uh, Queen's English and they just carried themselves so elegant and I felt kind of outclassed as a dumpy American tourist, you know. But I'm still an American. <laughs> So, Joseph is playing the part he must look like an Egyptian because his culture is different. They're shepherds. They smell like farmers. 
They take care of sheep. They have long hair. They have beards. They just kind of let themselves go. Smelly. Ever work on a farm with animals? Joseph, we're cleaning you up. You're not going to look like a slave when you come before the mighty Pharaoh. You must be presentable. Everything is changing. Everything is coming up roses. Joseph's day has finally come. Maybe you're one year in and you got to go two years. Maybe you just got to hang in there a little bit longer. You're at the bottom, but God is working. God is bringing in the people. God is using his gifts, his power, and he's going to get you out of that cell. He's going to spring you, and he's going to bring you before great and important men. Do you see it? Use your divine gifts. It's a Proverbs 18.16. It says, a man's gifts, his gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775-746-4567 and our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.